So this is So You Think You Know Sports. We give you weekly updates on things you want to know, like off-the-court stories, game highlights, and all-around current sports knowledge, mostly highlighting NBA, NFL, and sometimes college. This week, we give you the best of Kawhi and his uncle's demands to the Lakers for him to go there. Uh, then we have the matchups of Giannis and AD LeBron and the Rockets versus the Clippers, which are very uh, top teams coming up within this year. Uh, along with Marshawn Lynch returning to the NFL, the Cowboys, the playoff pitcher, and a little bit with the Patriots. So before we get started, I'm going to go ahead and introduce the host. My name is Alex and Muhammad, say something for them. Hey, want to say what's up to all our listeners. Thank you for listening and make sure you subscribe to our podcast and other platforms, including Instagram and Twitter. Oh, yeah. Sports are going to get very, very interesting as a lot of playoff playoff situations are coming about. Uh, basketball is about halfway through the season and the NFL is only has one more game. Uh, so but today we start with the NBA and Kawhi's uncle. Uncle Dennis. Now, he just to give you a brief story, he is the person who has been taking care of contract negotiations and all around things when it comes to Kawhi. Kawhi is very internalized about his uh, people who handle his career, what he's signing and everything. He doesn't have a outside representation. It's within his family. One of the main person is Uncle Dennis. Now, in the possibility of Kawhi joining the Lakers, Uncle Dennis handled a lot of the negotiations, especially with the Lakers, because he had a good relationship with Magic Johnson. Now, it has finally come out what Uncle Dennis and Kawhi was demanding for Kawhi to go to the Lakers, which would have been a very overwhelming situation with LeBron, uh, Anthony Davis, and Kawhi. But it has come out that Uncle Dennis was asking the Lakers for four major things, and I really don't think any would uh, get approved, but... The first one is part ownership in the Lakers. Second, a home in Los Angeles. Third, a private jet with unlimited access to anywhere. And the fourth, a guaranteed endorsement off court. Guaranteed, sorry, multiple endorsements. Now, since Kawhi's uncles asked this much of the Lakers, what did the Clippers give up to acquire Kawhi? Um, I, I'm not really sure what the Clippers might have given up to get Kawhi. Um, that could be anything because all of these things that Uncle Dennis has been asking for seems very surprising. It really doesn't seem like the Lakers would be forthcoming and trying to give that to him. Neither would the Clippers. I, I, I'm really not sure what they would give up, but it seems like they definitely made big moves outside of just those demands just to get Kawhi Leonard. So this really could be anything. But I feel like if this is true, all these demands, he was trying to get as much as possible because he knew somebody in the Lakers organization. He was, I guess, pretty good with them. Um, So he he was just really trying to take the extra mile instead of just, let's say, Whenever somebody tries to buy you dinner mm-hmm. and they say, help yourself, he really was trying to help himself. <laughs> <laughs> like he, he didn't want that. <laughs> but I, I, I don't know what uh, the Clippers tried to give up for him. 
But so it was probably it was probably a lot of stuff. But I'm I'm really not sure what it is. Okay. And I I was surprised you even used uh, just to kind of go back to one of the words you used because I think some people may be surprised by you saying forthcoming. Like they actually owed Kawhi this these high demands. This is a high ransom. This is an extremely high ransom. I'm gonna go part by part on this. Now starting with the part on ownership of the Lakers. Are you serious? Uh, and like who demands part ownership in a trade for playing for a team? And isn't some of that collusion? Like, I, I honestly don't even get that uh, that demand. Uh, then you have a home in L.A. That's expensive. That's one of the most expensive places to buy a home, and it definitely wasn't going to be a shack. Go to the third one, a private jet jet to anywhere with unlimited access? That's like you what you ask for from a genie. Like, you don't ask for that from a franchise. And finally, the guaranteed endorsements off the court. So he's saying not only are you going to give me money when it comes to me playing, but you're going to it's guaranteed that you are going to give me endorsements off the court. And I, the way that works will be if, like, let's say the Clippers are uh, endorsed by Doritos. Now they're saying he has to guarantee to have an endorsement with them, which pays him off the court also. So when it comes to the question on what did the Clippers give up to acquire Kawhi, I well, to, to be factual, what we know, they gave up seven draft picks to the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, sorry, not the Pelicans. Sorry about that. The OKC and OKC is made out like a bandit in that trade or that how they figured out getting uh Paul George to the Clippers. So I actually think there's a whole lot underground that the Clippers are giving Kawhi that we don't really know about. And Steve Ballmer, the owner of the Clippers, who is extremely rich, he is associated with Apple and everything like that. So he can give him what he wants. It's still small bread. Yeah, it, it may be small bread, but those are high demands. I, I feel like it, it can't be anywhere near what he was asking from the Lakers. He was trying to buy the whole menu. They they weren't trying to do that. Actually, and this question came to randomly. Uh, do you think that the Clippers gave Kawhi any one of those four demands? Um, they, probably not any of them, but somewhere near them. I feel like they came to common grounds. Like they they compromised and agreed on something. I feel like they probably gave him half the time. Not full unlimited access to the private jet, but hey, you kind of you got that access on the low, wink, wink. Uh, but if I'm busy, you can't be demanding it type of uh, setup. And a home in L.A., I definitely think Steve Ballmer paid for a home in L.A. for him, which would be extremely great. And then the guaranteed endorsements off the court. Oh, that's easy for Steve Ballmer also. So I think he got that also. I actually think he got about. A majority of that, and now the ownership in the Clippers, I don't think that happened. But the rest, I think he might have got some of that. Yeah, he might have got some of it, but not to the point where, like, what they were talking about from the Lakers. They compromised on this. Um, but I, I think the NBA, they filed some type of investigation to try to figure this thing out. But uh, they, so far, they said they didn't find anything. Okay. And that is probably why they're starting to, uh, uh, you know, they said there's no um, inside, uh, not trading, but uh, it, what is it with the NBA? Negotiations. Where they, yeah, negotiations before the draft, the actual uh, 
um, trade deadline or not trade deadline, but when free agency starts. That's why they are talking about they're going to be pulling people's servers if it gets bad again, like it did this past year, where 10 minutes, 15 minutes into free agency, everybody already knew where they were going. <laughs> so and if there was no talking happening, how in the world did you uh, come to these no- negotiations within 15 minutes? Only yeah, person who crazy. took a long time. Yeah, the only person who took a long time was Kawhi because he knew he could, hey, he can ask for what he wants. And all through Uncle Dennis. Yeah, but I think he really took full advantage of this free agency, but I don't really see that happening for him uh, the next time around. And also, I think the NBA, they are now only allowing certified uh, agents to negotiate with teams. Well, they actually backed down a little bit on that. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, no, they they did. They, they they only backed down a little bit, not fully. So you're still right. Uh, they backed down because of the whole Rich Paul, LeBron's friend situation. And or what that the NCAA? I think I'm actually referring to the NCAA. Uh, the NCAA, they, they backed off of uh, of saying that you have to be certified to talk to um, college uh, students. But I guess the NCAA. That's still it's like kind of like a marriage between all three uh, levels of or, yeah, all three levels of NBA, the NCAA college actual playing on the court and NBA. But uh, just to kind of moving on along real here, uh, do you think this proposal was a, quote, how bad do you want me offer? Yeah, it, it really was. Um, he was really just trying to see what he could get from um really all the attention that he can get from all these teams. He knew he had uh, pretty good negotiating tools just coming from winning an NBA finals. And he just really wanted to see what they would give up just to get him. Um, But I I guess the Clippers just seemed like the best option for him since they fully gave into him by getting another player and probably that off the court stuff that uh, we have yet to be revealed. Yeah. Everybody needs a Uncle Dennis. Just I was thinking about it. I want him to negotiate my salary. <laughs> like, this would be great if I had an Uncle Dennis. Because Uncle Dennis asked for the sky. And asked why you didn't throw in the stars. <laughs> yeah. He's trying to get everything. Yeah. Nothing is left out. Agreed. Agreed. Now, when it comes to... Whether this was a how bad do you want me offer, I really do think it was. I think that they might not have had true intentions at all for the Lakers, and it was all about sabotage. Because Kawhi always plays the I'm not paying attention, I'm quiet, nothing means nothing. Whether we win, whether we lose, it never means nothing because the world is still hungry out here. I won a championship, but nothing means nothing. That's the way he acts about a lot of things. Even though he's on the low out here, side dishing and making hater moves on the low. So I think it was a plot to put the Lakers down more when it comes to him coming to the Clippers. And it was just say, hey, how much can I get? So I, I definitely think how bad do you want me offer? That's definitely what, what it was, what that situation was. So he never intended on going to the Lakers, but he had already planned way before to go to the Clippers, but just to sabotage the Lakers. 
Well, he's already extremely loved the Clippers. It was already kind of known that that was a a heavy favorite for him to go to because he would be going back to his hometown. He already expressed through silently, but somehow it still gets out. He expressed last year while he was at the Raptors that he wouldn't care for uh, going to play with LeBron. He would rather go to the Clippers. And, and that all came out without him actually saying that. Yeah, so, yeah, I, I, maybe he did sabotage the Lakers. Maybe for multiple reasons. Maybe because he wanted to finally dethrone LeBron and also just to, I guess, uh, make the Lakers look bad. Well, I'm going to actually give him credit on this. I don't think he's uh, that much of a LeBron hitter as people make him out to be. I think he's just smart about using the game and using his silence to actually do a whole lot more. And his silence, yet not silence, is actually working. He's a part-time basketball player making bankrolls. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah, low management. Um, but did you have anything else to share about that? Because I'll just I'm move on. No, I'm I'm good with that. Okay, well, uh, moving on to the matchup, which was uh, not this Thursday, but last Thursday week, uh, where there was a matchup, big matchups between the Lakers and the Milwaukee Bucks, which would feature LeBron, uh, Anthony Davis, and Giannis, who were in the top, arguably the top five of the MVP, the best players in the. Uh, NBA. Now, the other game, the Rockets versus the Clippers uh, showcase Paul George and Kawhi uh, versus Russell Westbrook and James Harding. Now, the book, Bucks, when it comes to the Lakers versus Milwaukee game, the Bucks came out on top along with the Rockets winning over the Clippers. The biggest player matchups was LeBron and AD versus Giannis, the reigning MVP, and also the matchups between Westbrook Harding versus Paul George and Kawhi after everything is said and done because the Rockets ended up uh, winning in this situation over the Clippers who are number two in the West and the Milwaukee Bucks who have actually dominated wins per during a season for the past two years. They actually came out on top in their situation. Also as the Lakers look at like the biggest contender for the playoffs, but after everything is said and done, uh, do you think that the results of these games reflect what will happen in the playoffs? It's hard to say whether they will really reflect what's going to happen in the playoffs, but I think all of these teams will be uh, very huge contenders. Um, all of them will show up to play. All of them are very hungry for a championship. They all have all-stars. Um and I, I would say like the, the Bucks, they have the greatest chance to make the finals. Um, maybe not win it, but they'll they have the greatest chance to make the finals because those other three teams are all in the same conference, and only one can come out of that conference. Um, but I think we should heavily take these games serious for what is going to happen in the future. Uh, sorry to leave, uh, leave us on a cliffhanger there. What's happening in the future? <laughs> well, I, I see that in the future, man, it's hard to say. Um, really, this this will be a topic for probably a, a later 
Mm-hmm. I mean, this will be a conversation for a later topic that we cover. But mm-hmm. I, I feel like LeBron, um, with these injuries, he, he probably needs to start load managing very soon. Because um, I, I feel like he was hurt before um, this past Christmas game and in the Bucks game. He okay. re-aggravated another groin injury. And if this continues, he's not going to be available for the playoffs, or at least not fully healthy where he can be as efficient as he usually is. So if if this continues, they, they're not going to be there. They're not going to be in that Western Conference Finals. At the least, it'll be the Rockets and the Clippers. And I see really either one of those teams making it. At this point, the Rockets have beaten the Clippers twice. Um, and the Clippers, they could really beat anybody. They have the potential to beat anybody, but I would take the Rockets just slightly over the Clippers to go to the finals against the Bucks. Okay. And I, so I can agree on a lot of this. And I actually do think a lot of this, what happened in these games, may reflect what happens in the actual uh, playoffs, but only about half of it. Now, where you have the Bucks winning over the Lakers, if they both make it to the championship, because that's the only way they match up in the playoffs, uh, the Bucks are in the Eastern Conference, the Lakers are in the Western Conference. So if that matchup happens in the championship, I think, think that the Lakers come out on top. So that part I don't think reflects what would happen in the playoffs. Now the Rockets versus the Clippers is very likely to be a first-round matchup because the Rockets are sitting somewhere right around seven. Actually, I'm pretty sure they're in seventh uh, spot in the West right now for the playoffs, and the Clippers are sitting at two, which is exactly the matchup that would happen if they stayed in those same spots. So I really hope the Rockets beat the Clippers. I hope uh, Kawhi is out in the first round. I hope some of this deity situation that we placed on Kawhi, even though he is there only half the time, that we actually kind of, throw this whole low management error out the window. I would like to throw the load management error out the window, but oh, yeah, right but now I agree it seems with the to LeBron. favor. I do agree with the LeBron because he actually has true injury stuff, but I do agree with that part. Yeah, and um, it's really hard to see the Rockets finishing at seven. All the rankings right now are pretty close um, they they just lost to the Warriors and that kind of dropped them down. But before that game, they were pretty high up. So it's it's hard to see them finishing at seven. So I, I don't see that matchup happening in the first round, maybe the second round. Okay. And uh, this is perfectly going to the next question. Uh, since the Lakers are on a four game losing streak because we did have these past games on Christmas, how do you think the Lakers need? How much do you think? the Lakers need to worry about LeBron's groin injury. I think they should really worry about LeBron's groin injury because last year he got hurt somewhere around the same time with his groin, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. And it ended up taking him out a lot of games. And by the time he got back, uh, they were out of contention and it was hard for him to do that. And he came back early. Yeah. So that they should really take this um, heavily. Like they, they should really think about this, give him some more time off, um, more time than they would have thought beforehand. I know he was coming out campaigning about um, Wash King and all that stuff, but it's time to slow it down. You're the number one overall seed in the Western Conference. You can afford to lose a few, um, even if you don't have him. 
you really need him for the playoffs. You don't need an injured LeBron going into the playoffs because all these Western Conference teams are not going to show any mercy to the Lakers. Of course, of course. Extremely, I definitely agree. And they don't have that same energy about Milwaukee. They definitely have that energy about the Lakers. And I think they're more afraid of the Clippers uh, in these situations. So I think the Lakers does have the biggest target on their back. Uh, out of all the teams out here, even though the Milwaukee Bucks have been the the leader in the the, the standings for a good long while now uh, with Giannis. Uh, but when it comes to how much does the Lakers need to worry about LeBron's groin injury, I think they need to put it on red alert. I, I think this is a serious time to worry uh, because he didn't just re-injure the same groin. He, re- he injured the other groin. He didn't re- re-injure the same thing. So now he has problems with both groins. And and hopefully this doesn't uh, become a death uh, stroke to LeBron and his efficiency. Uh, but I think this can be a blessing and a curse. Because if LeBron's not around for a good amount of games and they actually do bond and become a team, trust me, LeBron is a plug-in player. And it's not like they don't know how to play with him or LeBron doesn't know how to play with them if they are in the team mode. Because that just it's better for him when he gets to sit on the bench. And what's happening now is LeBron is there. They keep forcing LeBron to have to take over in games before they actually take a uh, part of the game serious. They'll be up 15 doing good work and then they'll get lazy. And then LeBron is just trying to also still work, turn like work the ball around and it's just not working. And now they're down. They're only up by five, which then uh, makes LeBron have to take over to win the games. Yeah, they are forcing LeBron to do too much too early. Um, it really played into the campaign of Wash King, but we need to go ahead and slow it down. There's no need for that. It's all about winning championships for the Lakers. Um, and also, they, they need to monitor Anthony Davis. He's a guy that has gone and gotten injured multiple times. Even this year, um, he's missed games. Um, so he should kind of be load managed a little bit um, because if you don't have him, then that, that's a huge part taken away. Uh, so you, you really got to load manage both of these guys um, and it plays into the Kawhi factor. Um, and it's it's unfortunate. I, I would rather see these guys play, but um, LeBron, he's on the back end of his career. He's played multiple finals in a row and is going to catch up with them at some point. So um, you just got to load manage at this point. Yeah. He even has a unique uh, injury that may hinder him in his, the rest of his glory. Cause who, who have you heard uh, was groins that ended up taking him out of the league? I just have not heard that. Uh, I don't know. It, it, it is unique, but I'll move on. Uh, now has the Rockets, in their matchup versus the Clippers, they, they ended up on top. Has the Rockets proven themselves at this point that the Westbrook trade was a good decision? Or is this more or is there more to want from the duo of Harden and Westbrook? I think there's more to be desired from this duo. Of course, they've beaten some good teams, but they've also lost to some bad teams. I don't know if it's because well, I don't know if it's because they take those bad teams lightly and they feel like they can just show up and win automatically. Um, but they've definitely rose to the occasion against the better teams. So it's, 
it's really leaves more to be desired. Um, and really at this point it's championship or bust because they were just one game away from winning, um, the Western conference finals against the Warriors a couple of years ago. So they don't care about just making it to the Western conference finals or just the finals. Uh, they, they need to win it all. This duo has done well so far, but I feel like they need to win more consistently against all the bad teams and all the good teams. I can completely agree. There is more to want from this duo, even though they have been highly successful against the good teams and they do tend to not show up for the, for the sucky teams because it's the mindset of uh, the playoffs is what matter and the real contenders only matter. Uh, but that's also where you'll end up lowering your seed. And one reason why they're seventh in the West currently, um, even though they've done well in a lot of these games, LeBron is, I mean, not LeBron, but uh, James Harden has been going off in an amazing streak of scoring. Um, he just increases how much he scores each year. Uh, it's, it's ridiculous, but it doesn't mean anything till they do more than what, last year's team did and Westbrook wasn't on that team that was Chris Paul and I don't see them actually I'm pretty sure they're a whole lot lower in standings than they were last year with Chris Paul at this point last year with Chris Paul I think they kind of were starting off badly that's when James Harden had to go on that tear to Uh, score so many points yeah Um, that might have went down yeah yeah and Chris Paul he was injured and, I mean, he was injured ever since he got there. So it's kind of hard to say. <laughs> I'm not sure exactly where they were at this point last year, but I know they were struggling at first. Yeah, I agree. And just to kind of got it along here, with the matchup of the Lakers versus the Milwaukee Bucks, the top teams by record this year, has this made it very clear that the Bucks are favorite to win the championship? I don't know if it's made it very clear, but it's made it pretty clear that they are a team to reckon with, and they really have the highest chance to make the finals out of any team in the East. Because at this point, um, the 76ers, they're up and down. Um, You you never know what you're going to get. They are a very talented team, but they don't show enough from what's advertised. Um, The Celtics... Um, pretty good, but the, the Bucks have really handled them. Um, there's not too many challengers in the East right now. I mean, you can just tell from their record. So the, the Bucks look like they will at least make the finals over anybody in the East. Agreed. Uh, so it doesn't make it clear. Like you said, it does not make it clear that they're going to be the ones hosting the trophy at the end of the season. But it's it makes the argument heavy on the on the favor of people who really love Giannis because I don't think there's a lot of Milwaukee Bucks real fans out there. It's really it's a pl- player driven league, so you like the player and that's the team you like uh, is where the player is. So I say it, it, it gives great argument that they can say that they will win, but it does not make it clear in any way because even by media and everybody else's understanding, it's going to come from either the Clippers or the Lakers. And also, they're saying that the regular season doesn't matter, where Milwaukee Bucks do not have that mentality in any way, shape, or form. But it does give them a great favorite for 
making it out of the East as their best competition, which is really not seeing it's a lot of competition, is the Heat uh, with Jimmy Butler and the new school uh, players they have down there who are performing very well. Um, they're in the three spot in the East right now and just was in the two spot. Um, but then you have the 76ers, which they're hot and cold. It's when can they shoot and when can't they shoot, or when can their offense work and when it can't, offense can't work. When does the Embiid have stomach problems and when he doesn't? Like it's it's a lot, it's too much when it comes to on to Philly. And I honestly just don't believe in the Celtics. I still, in my mind, look at them as the little brother or the little engine it could. <laughs> I would have to agree with that with the Celtics. Um, of course, they're doing better without Kyrie Irving and. Um, whoever else, but I I really don't see them being that team that makes it out of the East. Giannis just seems like he would be too dominant for any of them to guard. Um, and they are just the better well-rounded team. So it's, it's hard to see anybody else making it over the bucks. Agreed. Uh, so we're moving to the Christmas games, which kind of was extremely wild. If you predicted the, outcome a lot of people would have seen this go a lot differently when it came to these games now it went possibly the way you would think it go would go with the celtics winning over the raptors at 12 o'clock the first game on christmas day now that second matchup should show a big matchup that may come about in the eastern conference finals between the 76ers and the milwaukee bucks Giannis. uh in that matchup, the 76ers really handled and blew out the Milwaukee Bucks, which would have clearly any betting person before that game would have thought that would have been an opposite score. Uh, now you have the five o'clock game with the Rockets versus Warriors, where eh, this year you we all know the Warriors are the worst team in the league. They were seven and I'm pretty sure 24 uh, going into this game. Well, they come out on top against the Rockets. So, so once again, if you were a betting person, you would have thought this was going to ha- happen completely different as the Warriors handle the Rockets. And that 8 o'clock game, the big heavyweight matchup in L.A., the Clippers versus the Lakers. The Clippers come out on top, and it seems like the Lakers wasted their opportunities on top of got themselves in bad situations, losing a 15-point lead in the third quarter and eventually losing the game to the Clippers and losing their second game to the Clippers. And with the Pelicans and Nuggets, the Nuggets came out on top. If you weren't awake for this, uh, sorry. Yes. The Pelicans came out on top over the Nuggets, which uh, there was a lot of hope for the Nuggets this year in the Western conference, but you really can't tell how this Christmas day would have played out. So I asked, what do you expect to well, actually, sorry, I'm going to uh, go to the to the crazy situation where the 76ers uh, won over the Bucks. Do you think that this is something they can consistently do in the playoffs versus the Bucks? Um, when it comes to the 76ers consistently beating the Bucks, I say no. I, I think they really got up for this game. Um, they they really showed up for Christmas. And uh, got a really good victory over the Bucks, but I, I really don't see this consistently happening. Um, mainly because during a series, you can really game plan for one team because you have a seven-game series. 
as far as for this, it, they only have one day, and then they have to move on to the next team. So really all the weaknesses of the team can be exploited as far as the 76ers with Ben Simmons not being able to shoot outside of the paint, um, Joel Embiid with his stomach problems, and then whoever else that might be a problem. So I, I, I really don't see this being a consistent thing for the 76ers. They're, they're really going to struggle. They're really going to have to show me something for them to consistently beat the Bucks. And from the yesterday's, from yesterday's game, I don't think so. Okay, I, I agree. I do think this is like a one spark out of nowhere uh, for the 76ers. It was Christmas Day. They got up for, uh, I think it was the home crowd because I, I'm pretty sure they played in Philly. Yeah, they did. They, they played in Philly. So they got up for the home crowd, and it was all the magic they needed to get above the Bucks, uh, get a little confidence in their hopes for making the championship this year. Um, but I would say this is just a flash in the pan. It's, it's the Bucks more than likely will handle the 76ers, but once again, the playoffs is a different animal, so it may just be a heavyweight match um, when it comes to those two. Yeah, it'll be a heavyweight match, but I, I I feel like the Bucks will probably handle them in six. Yeah. Now, do you with the Rockets losing to the Warriors, which no one absolutely expected at all, do you feel that the Rockets are disappointed with their duo's performance on Christmas Day? Yes, uh, I do think they are disappointed because this really kind of plays to a little mental thing that the Warriors have over the Rockets after beating them so many times in the playoffs, even without all of their star players. Um, the the Rockets, they they really need to get over this hump, over well, this mental hump of beating the Warriors and making it to the finals. Because if they can't beat this terrible team without their best weapons, then who else can they really beat? I mean, I know they've proven it in other games, but um, they really need to win consistently. You can't be losing to these bad teams and then win against the good teams. This, you just can't get the greatest seeding, and that sets you up for failure in the future. So they really need to strap up and get themselves ready for a long uh, regular season from here on out. Agreed. Uh, so when it comes to the Rockets, this is going to be a problem. Like they get lazy when they think it's a sucky team. And I completely agree when you went on about how the psychological aspect over the Warriors versus Rockets, they tend to always come out no matter when the odds are against them. When it comes to the scenario of Harding matching up against the current day, but not current day Golden State Warriors. Uh, the Steve Kerr era, at least. Um, so I, I agree. This is this is the problem. It, it is going to work on their mental. And really, everybody is looking with the side eye at the Rockets right now, at least a little bit. Yeah, I'm looking at them sideways because there's no way they should have lost to the Warriors. They had the biggest spread of victory over anybody on Christmas Day. Um, I, I thought this was an easy win, you know, pack it up, don't even watch it. But by the time I look up at the box score at the end of the game, they lose by almost 12 points, like almost handily. So I, I don't I really don't know what happened. 
Oh, looking from the box score, it looked like Westbrook took a whole bunch of shots and um, missed most of them. And James Harden kind of got locked up just a little bit. But it's that's really disappointing. Agreed, because uh, I'm pretty sure uh, Westbrook was extremely cold from three. I think he was at one point oh for for seven or eight from the field when it when it came to three pointers. Uh, so that was that's a big problem. Uh, it has been a consistent, a quite consistent problem with Westbrook for the last two to three years. He just he's lost his jumper. He's he's extremely still great going to the hole. But not as great as he used to be. So it's it's kind of hard here. Like he's still is triple double king, but he's losing it on the point side. Yes, he he is losing on the point side. But I also think it's because he's deferring to some of his other All Star teammates, like trying to set them up. Like last year, set uh, Paul George up, and um, now James Harden. Instead of trying to shoot the ball as much, be more of that. Um, what is it called? Uh, get more assists. I, I was looking for another word, but he, he's trying to set them up rather than score as many points as he did during his MVP season. True. Very true. Uh, and of course, that heavyweight matchup between the Clippers and Lakers, since the Lakers have now won twice against the Lakers, sorry, the Clippers have won twice against the Lakers this year. Do you feel that this will be the same result in the playoffs once they match up or if they match up? So far, I would have to say, yes, this would be the same result if they do match up in the playoffs, because both times it has been uh, nationally televised games with the Clippers and the Lakers and the Clippers have come out on top. They've shown up even without all of their pieces and beating them at wherever it is. Um, and really, the the Lakers, they, they're really going to have to look at themselves and make some changes. Because they, without LeBron, they are way worse. Um, and any team would be, but not to the point where you're handcuffed like that. And they, they really need to give him some more rest because this groin injury could be something that could nag him for a very long time going on from here if he doesn't get the proper rest. Yeah, I agree. I think it's time to worry, worry when it comes to the Lakers. Uh, this is two games that both like superstars, all four, had the knowing that they needed to come completely as though it was a playoff game because it's about about the psychological. It's, it, this is a psychological war during the regular season when it comes to the matchup between the Clippers and the Lakers, and a lot lot due to the pressure outside of the actual organizations. But they feel and know the intensity that's surrounding these games now. So psychologically, the Clippers extremely have the uh, the upper hand right now. Now it would be great if the Lakers are able to come back later on and say, "Hey, we were just." It was early in the season or, hey, this is not what's really going to happen. We're going to handle you because we're still the best duo. Um, Or maybe it's a situation where Kawhi tends to break down a little bit more throughout the rest of the year since he's really going on this whole injury situation. Because you would think he's being wheeled around in in a chair when he's not playing on the court. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's hard to see him being injured all the way, well, going into the playoffs because I feel like he's going to take all the time necessary for him to um, be ready for the playoffs, even if that takes the rest of the season, the rest of the regular season. He will take that whole rest of the season off just to be ready for the playoffs. I can see that completely. Um, so moving into the NFL, as we jump out of the Christmas games and NBA, uh, the NFL Pro Bowl is, has came out. And ahead of pretty much we we pay attention very heavy to the offensive players who make it to the Pro Bowl because there's only a select amount of spots. Those main Positions are wide receiver, quarterback, and running back. Now, now out of the AFC with the wide receivers, there's DeAndre Hopkins from the Texans, Kenyon Allen, Keenan Allen from the Chargers. The there's also Jarvis Landry from the Browns and Tyreek Hill from the Chiefs. Now, when it comes to the quarterbacks, it's of course Lamar Jackson of the Ravens, Patrick Mahomes of the Chiefs, and Deshaun Watson of the Texans as the running backs up for the AFC round off with Nick Chubb from the Browns, Derrick Henry from the Texans, and Mark Ingram from the Ravens. On offense for the NFC wide receivers, there's Julio Jones for the Falcons, Michael Thomas for the Saints, Mike Evans with the Buccaneers, along with Chris Goodwin from the Buccaneers. At quarterback, there's Russell Wilson from the Seahawks, Drew Brees from the Saints, Aaron Rodgers from the Packers, and, of course, rounding off with the running backs with uh, Devin Cook from the Vikings, Christian McCaffrey from the Panthers, and Ezekiel Elliott from the Cowboys. So who is the biggest surprise that not make the Pro Bowl list? The biggest surprise, I would probably say, is... Dak Prescott from the Cowboys. Uh, th- this was a, a very good statistical year for him. Um, he he put up really big numbers. Um, I, I think their offense was number one in as far as yards uh, for throughout the whole season, and he was a big part of why that happened. I know they had a soft schedule at first, but he consistently put up big passing yards. This was his best season by far out of any of the seasons previously. And just for just for um I would say Drew Brees getting that um that selection, even though he missed like five games, uh that's I mean that that seems kind of iffy. And also Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers hasn't had the Pro Bowl type of season even though they have the record. Um, I, I think both of those selections are questionable, uh, but I, I guess seniority played a little part in that. Um, but everything else seems like it fit right as far as um, players. On the AFC side, as far as the quarterbacks, it looks like those are the future quarterbacks with Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, and Deshaun Watson. Yeah. And mine is not going to actually, like, who's the biggest surprise that did not make the Pro Bowl? It's not a single person, which is going to sound weird because single people get uh, selected to the Pro Bowl. I'm surprised that no one on the 
offense of the Patriots made it to the Pro Bowl with such a great record that they had. I'm not I'm talking about offensive linemen. I'm talking about receivers. I'm talking about running backs. I'm talking about Tom Brady, the GOAT in a way for uh, many people. So I would say it's really them. It's not a single person. I would have said Dak also, but I can also see why you wouldn't when they're almost possibly not going to uh, make the playoffs uh, this year. And their record is extremely, it's horrible to look at. So even though he put up the stats, it has not produced wins, uh, even though he's done a lot of his part in the situations. So, well, I, I guess that you should have that argument about McCaffrey, but he had an amazing season. He was at least an MVP uh, candidate or possibly will be. But most times for the Pro Bowl, the, the winning doesn't really matter. It's it's all about the stats that you put up. True. Very true. But and, and I would say that's a part of their stats. So, yeah, I agree. But I, I also feel that that's a surprise that no one on the offense, Edelman, uh, no one actually made the Pro Bowl from the offense of the Patriots. Um, well, I don't think they'd really deserve to. <laughs> true. I, I agree, but that's, it's also still a surprise. I wouldn't, I'm not as surprised that Dak didn't, didn't make it when there's such a limited amount of spots and the spot, the people they put in are very good. I, I would definitely pick, pick Russell Wilson, Drew Brees, or Aaron Rodgers above Dak when you're selecting who makes the Pro Bowl. Well, are you just saying because of their overall resume as far as a career or just this year? This year. This year, what those <laughs> quarterbacks have done. Uh, uh, no, I, I don't think so. <laughs> we can respectfully disagree on that one. Uh, it, it really doesn't matter as much with Cowboys, especially if they're out um, after this last game. <laughs> but I'll move on to the Ravens, which tied the most Pro Bowl selections in history with 12 players making the Pro Bowl this year. So are you ready to say this is the best Ravens team ever, especially if they win the Super Bowl? No, I'm not ready to say it's the best Ravens team ever. I, I think they really just got on a roll. Um, of course, Lamar Jackson has been the best player in this uh, whole role that they've gotten in, but this is not the best Ravens team that the the best Ravens team I, I feel like was probably with Ray Lewis on the team the second time around that they went to the uh, to the Super Bowl because they had weapons on offense and defense um, they they had Hall of Famers right now it doesn't who really seem like they the quarterback was Joe Flacco who uh, they, had Joe eleven touchdowns and zero <laughs> interceptions in the playoffs so okay, he had a true. very good <laughs> playoff run. So I'm not saying a, that Lamar Jackson can't do the same thing, though. Um, but I, it's it's really hard to say that right now. Um, it's, it's it's very early to say that. I, I'm not going to say they have the best Ravens team ever right now. They still have to prove it and win the Super Bowl, and then well, we'll come back and talk about it. Well, this is this scenario does have them winning the Super Bowl. So especially if they win the Super Bowl, would you put this as the best? Uh. No, I, I probably still wouldn't. I, I still need some time to pass and see how these players really all pan out. Um, because if they go into next year and don't have the same amount of success, then I, I wouldn't say it's the best Ravens team that they've ever had. Well, I think we all have a Ray Lewis bias. If the team does not have Ray Lewis on it and they win the Super Bowl, uh, they just don't compare. 
to previous things. And I understand. I have that I have that haze over my eyes also. But I had to look at it objectively. They tie the most Pro Bowl selections. That's single players who got selected to make it to the Pro Bowl, and they tie the most ever in history. So that's a that's a big thing. And if you actually win the Super Bowl and do that, and especially when you did it with an amazing quarterback, which is definitely not the typical situation that happens with uh, the Ravens, even though Flacco did have a great performance. He had a Eli moment to win a Super Bowl. Um, so I understand that. And they didn't back into the, uh, to the playoff that year either. So not to insinuate that, uh, how uh, Eli uh, backed into the playoffs the years that he won the Super Bowl, that they were the same. It's just that he went on a, a good run during the actual playoffs. Uh, but I would say looking at it like backwards, if I'm looking at, hey, this team won the Super Bowl, it, they have been the number one team pretty much all year. Other, I, would say, I wouldn't say all year, but at least – 75 75% of the year they look like the best team if you add up the whole picture together. And then you have Lamar Jackson being extremely impressive and also having it to where like you said in a previous episode, uh, he would be the only person since Kurt Warner to win a Super Bowl and win MVP. Under those standards and Pro Bowl having multiple having 12 and tying, I would have to say yes, even though I have a bias with they're being uh, wanting to have that history to be with Ray Lewis. I, I wouldn't be as quick to crown them, um, but uh, you really have, you have to, to look at a single year. But no, it's this is about a single year. Uh, like uh, the best team, your team always changes. You always drop in players, even even if the main people are staying. There's always a change to the uh, supporting cast in a football team. So talking about just this year, not about whether they're good next year or anything like that, because last year. Patrick Mahomes was absolutely amazing, but this year it's not exactly the same, even though they're still good. No, it's not exactly the same, but he's still playing how he was before, I feel like. Um, he, he's still putting up big numbers whenever he's on the field. But as far as the Ravens, uh, Lamar Jackson, he's he's not completely different, but he's a huge step above what he was last year. Um, but I know you're talking about one team just for this year. Um, and I also have to say that it really just depends on how they win the Super Bowl. Um, if they win it as dominantly as they have been throughout the regular season, then you have a, a really good case. But it's hard to say that right now. Very true. Very true. Um, but moving along, uh, since the running quarterback has dominated this year's selections in the Pro Bowl for the quarterbacks, uh, it is. Is it official that the era of the dual quarterback has started or will the traditional quarterback return to prominence? I feel like um, this will be a world where both types of quarterbacks exist. There will definitely be more dual threat quarterbacks that come in and succeed in the NFL, but I feel like both types of quarterbacks will coexist. The dual threat quarterback is not going to make the pocket quarterback extinct. Um, Maybe because the people who usually stay in the pocket, they usually last longer because they don't take as many hits or sacks and all that stuff. Um, But with dual threat quarterbacks, they usually take more hits 
And eventually, it doesn't matter who you are, uh, an accumulation of all those hits are going to get to you. Um, but this is the best situation for the dual threat quarterback out of any time in history. Um, more and more of them are coming out. And as far as, let's say, uh, Jalen Hurts, that's in college right now. A couple of years ago, I I didn't think he was an NFL quarterback, but at this point, he has a really good chance of making it. So the dual the dual threat quarterback is at his highest part right now. Well, I, I think it's going to catch on, and I don't think that the traditional traditional quarterback. I think that's going to be a rarity. It's going to be more like fewer than five teams will have the traditional quarterback or a whack quarterback. Um, I, I just think that's what's just going to happen because just kind of the name off the running quarterbacks, because there's Lamar Jackson, who's pretty much just as known. He's going to win the uh, MVP this year. Uh, then you have Patrick Mahomes, who's a running slash throwing quarterback. They both do very well. And then you have Deshaun Jackson, all, all these quarterbacks uh, in the Pro Bowl selection for the AFC are all dual threat quarterbacks. You were extremely right about they take more hits, but, if you look in the AFC where there's Russell Wilson, who has been known as a dual quarterback, he's he's been the best example of how you actually do it and not gain as many hits. He's he's extremely elusive of not getting hits. And that is pretty similar with Lamar Jackson right now. But I think everybody uh, thinks of RG3 and just feel like that history is going to also come about for Lamar Jackson, which I don't. I hope everybody scrubs that from their mind so it doesn't actually happen to him. Drew Brees, to a certain degree at one time, might have been viewed as a dual quarterback, but not really. I Actually, I should take that back. He's the typical. <laughs> I, I, let me take that back completely. But Aaron Rodgers was partly known as a dual quarterback, even though he sits in the pocket a whole lot more now. But he was a new era quarterback, which Vic was the one who really brought it in, and it is getting perfected more and more. So is is better for viewership. It's better for your team because uh, there's a threat of that person who could always run before and was choosing not to because they couldn't versus a person who can actually do it. And that's also what is being looked for in the college ranks. Well, there's also different types of dual threat quarterbacks. There's there's a type that only runs whenever necessary just to make a play, not a design play and then there's the ones who have design plays run for them to run Lamar Lamar yeah that's Lamar Jackson that's Cam Newton um yeah true sometimes Russell Wilson a little bit just a little bit not really (laughs) they they have design they do they do have some design run they don't do it in abundance in any way but they do have I I don't know it it doesn't look like it. it only seems like whenever there's trouble that's when he might break a run. He's really just trying to get in the right area just to make a pass for Russell Wilson. And and that's how I feel like most of those other quarterbacks that you name, like Patrick Mahomes. Um, you might be right. Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, you might be right on that. Uh, uh, but I do. we know that Sean Jackson is definitely a dual quarterback. And I think he has desire runs, but I'm really not sure. But he has more of that hesitation for running, even though he does end up running a whole lot. Yeah, um, he definitely has those design runs. Cam Newton, um, he has those, but I feel like those will probably be cut back 
Uh, they've always had that debate, but they're really going to have to do that going forward from here with all these injuries. Um, but yeah, I, I say the dual threat quarterback is really becoming more uh, prevalent, but I don't think it's going to completely wipe out the pocket present quarterbacks. I can definitely respect that. Uh, and moving out of the Pro Bowl, but news in the NFL, uh, going with a runner, the running back. Big news, Marshawn Lynch has re-signed with the Seahawks for a one-year deal, which really is a playoff run. Now, some people ask, how can Marshawn Lynch come out of retirement and join the Seahawks again? Well, he's uh, he's actually uh, played out his entire contract. He's actually fulfilled his contractual, contractual agreement uh, with the Raiders that he had and is now able to rejoin with the Seahawks, which would make an amazing story if they actually make it to the Super Bowl. And at some point, uh, Marshawn Lynch has a iconic run also known as beast mode. Now, how do you feel Marshawn will affect the Seahawks going into the playoffs and during? I think Marshawn Lynch, he'll bring that, um, that veteran presence. He'll definitely, uh, bring some playoff experience, but this is not going to be the same Marshawn Lynch that was making beast quakes and stiff arming people for, a 50-yard touchdown. That's it's not the same Marshawn Lynch. They don't have that same offensive line either. So um, I think he'll definitely provide that veteran presence and uh, playoff experience. Uh, but I don't think it'll really propel them any further than the rest of their running backs that are now hurt. But he'll definitely help in the locker room. I agree. I completely agree about locker room and everything. Um, I don't know whether you saw the video or y'all can look it up on YouTube. He arrived to the stadium uh, with uh, another professional player for uh, the city of uh, Seattle. I can't exactly remember which other player, but he played a different sport. But he showed up with him to the facilities for his press conference with uh I think I'm pretty sure it was I'm not sure exactly how many pounds, but the entire car was filled with Skittles. So as he walked out, uh, they fell everywhere. Just as an interesting, interesting story that you may want to go look at um, and his comments about how he may affect the Seahawks. But what, what I feel Marshall's going to affect, he's going to affect uh, a boost to their morale. They've lost two running backs and also lost uh, a receiver who they recently signed with Josh Gordon, who can't get it right with uh, testing with the NFL. He's gotten uh, kicked out of the league for at least right now, suspended. Uh, But I think he's going to give an extremely great morale, like you said, uh, in the locker room. He's going to be a great person for that. And I wouldn't be too hesitant to say he won't be the Marshawn Lynch we know uh, because he's had roughly a year to two years off where he had not ran and he's only 33 years old. I actually thought he was a whole lot older, but he's only 33. So he could still possibly be, I don't say in one game in shape for uh, what's to come, but he only needs one game. I think to get back bouncing the way he wants to affect the Seahawks. Yeah, that's, that's easy to say now, but 33 is pretty old for a running back. Um, is <laughs> he took 
Well, he dished out a lot of punishment and he took a lot of punishment. So the type of running back that he was, they they don't really come back hitting like that. Um, but, I mean, he could be a, an anomaly. He could be the one that comes back and punishes uh, those tacklers and maybe propels them to uh, a Super Bowl. But it's hard to see that right now. I'm going to have to see him in this upcoming game. Okay, I hear you, but I would like that theory. Uh, look at Frank Gore. Look at Adrian Peterson. They are currently still starting running backs in the NFL. I know there are extreme anomalies, but I think Marshall is a part of that anomaly group by Bo Jackson and, and, and running backs uh, of that type. Um, of course, it's very easy to say that from this point of view, but that's just what I feel. I like to at least indulge in that feeling that he will be that thing that type of energy for the Seahawks. So he'll give that morale boost. Oh, yeah. Okay. So we agree. Um, Now, Rookie of the Year has been decided, and the award goes to Josh Jacobs, running back for the Raiders. And he will win this award with putting up stats right now of uh, 1,100 yards in his rookie year. So, So I ask, who else? would you have liked to see win Rookie of the Year? I would have liked to have seen uh, Nick Bosa from the 49ers win it. Um, he he really came out and uh, showed out for the 49ers getting a whole bunch of sacks. I'm not exactly sure of how many sacks that he's gotten so far, but he, he really showed out, especially in the beginning of the season. Um he really made a difference for the team. Uh, the the 49ers out have now propelled themselves into the playoffs whenever they weren't a playoff team last year. And they are in contention for the number one overall seed. So um, I would like to see him uh, get that. But Josh Jacobs, he did good with what he was given um, with, with the Raiders. Josh Jacobs, he I'm getting over a thousand yards being in that whole mess with Antonio Brown at the beginning of the season and them knocking off that uh, distraction. I, I guess the Raiders did okay, but they still did crumble. So it, it would have been better to see somebody who's made it into the playoffs and played at a high level. I I can partly agree about that, but I, I'm actually not choosing a person who made the playoffs. Um, my selection, who I would have liked to see to win, the rookie of the year will be Kyler Murray. Uh, now, Kyler Murray did not produce as many wins, but he he did impress this year. He he's shown he is a NFL quarterback, and he is not going to be held back by height, uh, as he is not as tall as the typical quarterback. Not that, not any shots in any way there. Um, he's he's shown that he can be the Drew Brees or the uh, Russell Wilson, which is high praise. But I'm saying uh, he has things you can actually build on and he can can possibly show up that we can beat you uh, with the Cardinals. And he actually came in with six votes uh, for second place for Rick of the Year. So I would have liked to see Kyler Murray. Yeah, it, it would have been good if he won it also. Um, Kyler Murray, I, I think he did well with what he was given. Um, his offensive line is terrible. Um, he had multiple different running backs. 
And really the only notable receiver is Larry Legend himself, Larry Fitzgerald. And I can't really think of anybody else, but they, he did well with what he was given. And just beating the Seahawks at their place was a very surprising victory. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Uh, and we're moving towards the Cowboys who lost to the Eagles uh, last Sunday and an Approaching a very important game as it's coming down to the wire, the last game of the season, to dictate who will make the playoffs from the NFC East. Now, the Cowboys would need to, as they since they lost against the Eagles, uh, they would now have to win against the Redskins, and the Eagles would also have to lose against the Giants, which uh, kind of spells out that the Eagles have the highest chance of making the playoffs at this point. Um, even if both teams lost, the Eagles would end up making the playoffs. So what is your worry level? What is your worry level for the Cowboys not being able to make the playoffs this year? My worry level is actually not that high. I feel like this team it's the same story. Uh, they have a whole bunch of talent that's not living up to, to their potential. Uh, they don't have the right leadership as far as their coach. They need the right coach to take them over the edge to get them to the point that we thought that they would be um, really they're at the end of the season. They're going to get rid of Jason Garrett because he didn't make the playoffs, which is a very good thing. And they can finally get over that hump. They can finally get a better coach that can lead them in the right direction. They have the talent. Um, they have the owner with the money to spend. Uh, it's all about making the right decision for that next coach. That's uh, that's really the biggest uh, obstacle, really. I can definitely understand that. So, uh, but my worry level is a nine out of ten because <laughs> yeah, it, it's that's the worry level of for them not making the playoffs because they only have about a ten percent chance. I'm pretty sure lower than that for them actually making the playoffs this year. So I'm talking about this this year. Cause I'm oh, gonna, this gonna get year. You, uh, okay. Yeah, this year. Uh, so uh, my level is a nine because you have a small chance of this actually playing out their way. Now, I, I can see, definitely see the Cowboys winning against the Redskins, but they would have to have a lucky day that the Giants feel like having a pride game because they're definitely not making the playoffs. And they're probably looking at vacation. But – how bad do they want to upset the Eagles who are right in front of them? Or how bad do they want to upset the Cowboys by intentionally losing? Cause they can look, they're actually the person in a uh, position of power right now, the giants, simply the giants, because I think if they felt like it and played hard enough, they could win against the Eagles if they felt like it. And if they want against the Eagles and the Cowboys are probable to win against the Redskins, Cowboys make the playoffs. But if you hate the Cowboys enough, you play extra hard. You put your everything into winning against the Eagles. If you lose, you lose. Who cares? If you win, it's a pride game, and you dictated who actually made it to the playoffs. Yeah, and I, I thought you were just talking about going into next season because I kind of already wrapped up everything for this season because <laughs> I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. But um, I, I feel like if the Giants really play it smart, they would – try their best to beat the Eagles because that would give Jerry Jones the idea that he needs to bring back Jason Garrett. And they know that they can beat 
uh, Jason Garrett led Cowboys team because he he's the he's the one that's really stepping in their way, and they can have that momentum going into next season with a huge win over a division rival. So I, I say you you go out and try your best to win that game. Don't get injured, but play your best to win the game. It's a complicated situation because they could be playing for their coach's job because he more than likely is going to get fired, especially if he loses this game. And probably even if he lost, won this game, he would still get fired when it comes to the Giants. And with your theory, whether they take that momentum into next year, I think that would have been that would have been a great strategy if they actually knew who their coach was going to be next year. Uh, so it, it's kind of hard to dictate whether I, I like your scenario. I do like your your theory there uh, about them, uh, Jerry Jones still letting uh, Jason Garrett be the head coach of the Cowboys. Cause it seems like he just refuses to make that move. Uh, but yeah, yeah. I, I, I like your scenario. I'll actually move it along so we don't uh, spend too much time on it. But uh, what move do you think Jerry Jones makes if the Cowboys come up short this year? I think this will be the final nail in the coffin, and he will fire Jason Garrett. He will finally separate himself. He sees that time is running out for him. His mortality is fading away, and he he really wants to win a championship. He he wants to get back to where he was in the 90s, um, and he'll do anything to get it. And Jason Garrett is standing in the way of that. He's not... Um, getting the full potential from all the talent that Jerry assigned. Cause as he said before, he doesn't get any hand cramps when he's writing checks. <laughs> so he, he, he really wants to win a championship. Okay. I agree. His pocket long, uh, his money long out here. I hear you, Jerry Jones, but I do think he <laughs> wants to, uh, <laughs> to live his glory days. He wants to live and feel like he did in the nineties. So it, it, it is about, that decade and what the Cowboys was to the entire nation, what they were to him and him being the leader and decision maker of the team. Now he wants that form of glory, but with the people he wants to celebrate it with, it's, it's becoming a blind spot in what he actually wants to achieve. Cause like you say, he does not get any cramps about writing these checks, even though he's being stingy about dishing it out for Dak. Um, but I, yeah, I, I think if he comes up short, just to answer the question, if if the Cowboys come up short, it's so hard to say he's actually going to fire him, uh, Jerry <laughs> Jones. But it, it really is. It's hard. I thought before. I thought uh, well, before you said that he was going to be done. I agree, but I, I also understand that his attachment, Jerry Jones' attachment to Jason Garrett, is very strong. It's like almost like a drug. I thought the only way that he keeps them is if he makes the playoffs. But in, in this situation, it's hard to see them making it. Um, the Eagles, they really want to make it. The Giants, I mean, they might be halfway to their vacation. So I, I, it's hard to see that. True, but I think he is blind. And he <laughs> he really doesn't want to do what the public is going to force him to do. So I think this only happens due to force and pressure of a fan base and a non-fan base. Literally, the media is going to crucify and constantly crucify uh, Jason Garrett that 
Jerry Jones is simply just going to have to do it because he's going to have to save face for all the other people, even though he really does not want to give up Jason Garrett. I respect his loyalty. I respect that loyalty, at least that he has to them, uh, like uh, Romo and like he had. And I don't think he wants to have to do it like he did it with Romo where he had to usher him out. But, hey, why not upgrade on quarterback? He's always going to be my my son-in-law. Yeah, but it's – I don't know. It's – you got to fire him at this point. Um, he, you had championship aspirations going into the season and to not bring the playoffs is that's, that's just ridiculous. That, that cannot happen. I, I agree. Uh, so moving on to the Patriots, the Patriots complete the sweep of the division by winning against the bills on uh, this last Sunday, as the bills have had a very impressive season. Uh, but still coming up short against the Patriots matchups. So are you ready to concede that the Patriots have the easiest division to win on a yearly basis? Um, they probably have the most consistent, easiest uh, division to win on a regular basis going into the season. But usually I, I don't think it plays out that way. Um, as you can see, most of that AFC East has beaten the Dallas Cowboys division, the NFC East, uh, which people say is one of the hardest divisions. But, I mean, they're just consistently terrible. Um, the Bills have had a very good season. Um, they still have a chance to win the Super Bowl because they are in the playoffs, uh, but it's not likely. And the Dolphins, they have gone in um, – won some games that people didn't think they would win. Um, even though they are just a patchwork type of team, they nobody thought that they would win that much. Um, and then the Jets, uh, they, I mean, they're terrible, but they're not as terrible as people might think because they have gone and won a couple of surprising games. So I, I think consistently, like I was saying before, they are the easiest uh, division going into the season, but it doesn't play out that way. I think you're delusional. And <laughs> <laughs> I completely think you're delusional. So you think the NFC East is better? No, no, no. And I knew that was going to be your argument. I definitely knew it because this year they are terrible and they do tend to have this bottom of the barrel match each year uh, when it comes to their division. Uh, actually, sometimes they, they win 10 games, but it just, of course, this year it's going to look real bad. But Come on, you're delusional about this Patriots situation. At the beginning, if anybody listened to the episode kind of right right before the season started, I said you can already uh, that the Patriots had the easiest division, and you can already mark them down for a minimum six and two. They went eight and zero, oh. and in the end, they still have to play the Dolphins. Oh, okay. Well, they're gonna go eight and zero. Oh. Uh, sorry about that, <laughs> but. <laughs> But like I was uh, saying, they're going to sweep the, the division. This is so. OK, let's let's say at minimum they go seven and one. Their division still sucks. And, and especially when it comes to them coming going against each other. So even though the Bills had a very good season, even though the uh, Bills are in the playoffs, the Patriots still dominated that division and do it every year. And it's done it for over 10 years. So, yes, I would say they do have the easiest division yearly for one team that is extremely dominant and above the pack? I would say that 
just like I was saying before, going into the season, it looks like that. But it's not always the case. Even just look at the Packers division. Did they lose a game in their division? Um, but that, that's not horrible. No, like, but that's not, <laughs> that had to do that with the conversation. You know that division is kind of hard. Like they actually play each other hard. But but they, we're talking it's, about it's divisions. A each year. Yeah, but it's you're talking about one year. I'm talking about a span of years. And and since I made the argument in the beginning of the season, I'm just looping it back around and just saying, hey, here's my evidence. But that's going into the season. It looks that way, but it doesn't well, play so out. So it looks that even way. better. At, what do you mean it didn't play out that way? It literally went better than I even predicted. What do you mean? Did, did you predict that the Bills were going to make the playoffs? No, I didn't have to. I was just talking about Patriots' record versus their division, and I said at minimum six and two. They are at minimum now seven and one, and they're more than likely going to sweep the division. So that's what I'm saying. From even that, and which would have been absolutely great, six and two on their entire division, and talking about specifically the Patriots versus their division, that they did even better than it. So the, yeah, that, but that doesn't mean that division is terrible. Yes, it does. Like that's, that was my argument in the beginning. That that because that, that does happen every year. That does that happens. As, like we can look back. I wish I just put up every year on how many wins they uh, get a, against their divisional player because they won the division at minimum the past ten years. Yeah, the the last time they lost was whenever Tom Brady didn't play that whole season. That, exactly. that was the last time they didn't that they didn't win the the division. So, but that doesn't mean it's terrible. That's divisions. dominance. That that is that, that's dominance. dominance. But it, uh, okay, but does that mean that the rest of the NFL is bad if they go into the Super Bowl every year? Um, no, it just means it doesn't mean that. It means that <laughs> come scenario. on, come on now. That, no, that's the same no, argument just, that you're using. No, 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 it's not. No, because my argument is specifically about the Patriots and their division. Nothing about anybody else in the division in the uh, NFL. If there was only these four teams. And only their games that they play against each other, the Patriots always dominates that. But still, they they've gone to the Super Bowl most four years in a row. But Does that I'm mean that the rest of the NFL is bad? No, no, no. Because that, that doesn't have to do with the division. The, the division hardly makes the playoffs. So but what I'm what, saying is, what, what I'm saying is, since they make the Super Bowl consistently. Why did, does that mean that the rest of the NFL is bad? It, like, not, they have competition on the I'm, way to getting to the saying, Super Bowl or to the division crown. That doesn't not, mean the rest of those teams are bad. That's that's what I'm trying to say. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about their division as in the uh, AFC. I'm talking about their division as the people they play twice per year. I know the, what you're that, talking that, about, that, but I'm making so an I, analogy. No, no, I hear you, but I'm not even making that point. Like, because I, I would... If we were arguing that, I would agree with, hey, yeah, there's people who's there. But that's not the argument. The argument is about them and versus their actual division and the eight games that they play against each other. And now oh. with those eight games, they always dominate them. Always. That which which would make if they have all these times always won the division on top of dominating it. Not like, no, always, hey, we've gone four and four in the division. We end up winning. No, it doesn't go like that for them. They dominate their division. It's, it's a compliment. For the Patriots, but yeah, it's a compliment. But but it does show that their division does is not uh, contenders uh, for, throughout the year. Whether you predict it in the beginning or whether you see it at the end, looks like even if I predicted in the beginning 
they still end up even better. For example, well, that's, my, that's my example of this year specifically. Well, you can say the same thing for the AFC if they made the Super Bowl four times in a row. You, you can say the same thing. That not No, not really, because I'm not making that argument. I'm not saying that all well, of the AFC is trash. I'm not I know that. you're not making that argument, but that's the same thing, though. Not, not really. If, I, if they no, make the Super Bowl would, consistently would, and win the division consistently, your argument is that no. their division is trash. So that no, would also say that the rest of the AFC is trash. No, 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 that's not saying that at all, because my original argument, I'm basing this off my original argument, which is in the beginning of the season, I said the Patriots have the worst division because they always at minimum go six and two in it. That has to do nothing with playoffs. That has to do nothing with the, none of the other teams that exist in the AFC. That argument is only those four teams only. So anything about the playoffs doesn't actually fit into the argument of my, my argument about the four teams that play in these eight games because none of these other AFC teams play in those eight games. Now, if you're if we were actually arguing about the uh, playoffs, yes, I'm going to have to agree with you and stuff, but that doesn't it's not the actual argument. That's not your argument, but what I'm saying is it's not like I, they don't have any competition in that. Division. No, no, I hear you. I'm not saying that they're, they're all of the AFC is trash. I'm saying no, 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 I'm, no, saying, I'm, I'm in, saying in their own division. It, it's, it's not like there's no competition in their own division with those three other teams is what I'm saying. I will just uh, decide to disagree on that one. Because we're, we're <laughs> we're, I'm telling you, people are going to see my point on the other side of this. Because even somebody well, you, you're speaking actually, for other people. No, no, no. <laughs> No, because I'm going to tell you why, because somebody actually requested me to ask that question. Okay. Out of all questions, they actually requested me to say, as Muhammad, I can't wait to see Muhammad's argument about uh, whether his division is easy or not. They said that. I actually didn't even, I, I, in the end, that was one of the requests of questions for you. And okay. they're going <laughs> to, and because well, they were saying their, their point, now I know that's one person. But their point is, yes, it is easy, which I'm making the same argument we're obviously are going to disagree on. Well, I'm, I'm not saying that their division is like very hard, but they do have competition on the way to winning that division. The division isn't very easy. Now, going into the season, it may look that way, but it never plays out that way. Uh, tomato, tomato. We'll, we'll disagree, <laughs> disagree on that one because I'm pretty sure we'll we'd argue for a whole another 30 minutes about that one. No, nah, um, I really don't want to. Got it. I know. I, I know. That's why I'm saying just let's, let's uh, move it on. But uh, when it comes to Tom Brady, could you see Tom Brady being a Charger next year? And is this a good move for the Chargers with Phillip Rivers declining? I could possibly see uh, Tom Brady as a Charger, but I wouldn't say it's likely. I think the most likely situation is for him to stay with the Patriots and they go into the draft and see what they can get. Um, of course, Philip Rivers, he has declined some, but I, I don't think it's completely. I, I think really for Philip Rivers, it's just he. It, it's hard to say for, for Philip Rivers. He's always been that quarterback with enough talent to get you to the point to uh, succeeding but not succeeding enough to win a championship. And he, he just really struggled this year. So I, I think they still kind of keep Phillip Rivers around. So I, I think both quarterbacks stay in the same position. 
I can respect that, but I, 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 of course, I disagree with the Tom Brady thing because I've already said I think he's not going to be on the Patriots next year, and it's either going to be due to him wanting to play somewhere on the el- somewhere else, or him retiring. I don't know. I don't fully subscribe to the him being a Charger. Uh, I even, you know, I was working the whole idea that he would be a Ram. Uh, but we're all, of course, talking still about being in Los Angeles. Um, I just think he plays for a different team or he retires just to keep it short. And Philip Rivers, it is very likely they keep him around and they don't try to replace him with a top tier or use both top used to be top tier quarterbacks on the same team because it might feel real cramped. Are you saying if it'll feel cramped if Tom Brady goes over to the Chargers? Yeah, and they keep Phillip Rivers, yes, if they did both. Uh, in that situation, I don't think they would keep Phillip Rivers. Uh, <laughs> so, but there's no the need thing to because there's I no future with him. If, if they were going to make a move, I think, let's say they did make a move with uh, Tom Brady. I don't think they're going to force Tom Brady to have to move when he has eight kids. Not Tom Brady, but uh, Phillip Rivers. I don't think they're going to force him. Like I, I think they would be like, hey, if we can work something out and you want to stay here, you can stay here. But and if that ever to was to play out, them being on the same team would be cramped, especially when Phillip Rivers has been their leader for so such a long time. I feel like that's more unlikely than Tom Brady going to the Chargers. I can uh, understand. Because I, <laughs> I don't they they wouldn't keep him around. Um, they, they don't care about I mean, they partly care about his family, but not that much. It's a business. Uh Go wherever you need to. We we don't care about that. We're trying to win championships, and you haven't won one since you've been here. So move out the way. So I don't, I don't see that happening. <laughs> okay. And uh, our last question here. Now, in the NFL, players have been swapping jerseys uh, when they have a iconic matchup between great talents. Uh, now, it has come out that players who swap jerseys after games are charged $500 by their own team. Now, is it finally time to say that jersey swapping has gotten out of hand? And what's really the goal? I think it has gotten out of hand, and not just in football. It's gone on in basketball. And really, it's it's all about friendships and saying, I, I played against this guy while he was playing in his prime or whenever he was retiring. Um and they just they just want to have that uh, souvenir from just playing in the NFL. Um, it plays into that story that people are all about the money. Well, the players are all about the money and not about winning. And I, I, I think really it, it has kind of become that they're all about trying to uh, get their brand out there and be friends with all the guys that's playing, whether that be their opponents or their teammates. I, I can, I can uh, respect that. Uh, point. I'm just going to come from a different point of view because I don't disagree there. Um, I, I'm going to just say I'm going to address the teams, the teams who are charging these players $500. I think that's outrageous. I understand they do uh, make a lot of money and they can afford $500, but why are you doing it? Like, just why? And to say whether it got, it's gotten out of hand, it definitely has gotten out of hand. It's because it's devaluing the actual experience of that. It's like, uh, for example, D Wade. He traded out his jersey with absolutely every, uh, at least one player per game 
when he he was on his fell world tour of a year. And I can only imagine what those jerseys, where those jerseys are and what they're actually doing. Like they're sitting in a pile somewhere. They're not they're they're not going to matter at all because they're going to overdo it. It's an overdue situation. Uh, now, one person I think it really hurt where they are charging them five hundred dollars each. It would be Lamar Jackson. Uh, at, at the end of one of the games, I can't remember exactly which team they were playing against, but he he traded out 12 to 15 jerseys to he signed so that uh, for other players on the other team, even though they just were in a competition, um, they become fans of each other. But could you imagine uh, Lamar Jackson collecting his those jerseys from those same players? It's, it's pointless, and especially when he's so early in his career. Yeah, it it is pointless um, because most of those guys won't be around <clears throat> whenever he gets into his the later part of his career. And I, how did he get those many jerseys at once? Did he come prepared with all of those? Well, I, I, I don't get that. Actually, he may have only gotten charged for one, which is his actual game jersey, which I don't know who actually got ended up getting that. But I'm pretty sure the other players came with a jersey. Like they bought a jersey and oh. had them sign it. But I'm really not sure. They may have pre-set something up, but I know for a fact he sat there and signed at least 12 uh, jerseys when he had an amazing performance against one team. I can't remember exactly which team it is. Was it the Bengals? Uh, I, I don't think it was the Bengals. I really don't. I think it was – I don't think it's – for some reason I'm keeping feeling that it's San Fran – but at the same time, I'm not thinking of San Fran. I don't know. It was it was a, a very good matchup team and more than likely a playoff team that did it. I just Maybe can't remember right, right now. Rams. I think it was the Rams. And that was a play team that didn't make the playoffs, but you would think has a great talent. I think it really was the same Rams. I think that's the correct answer. That's okay. why, why it would make sense that I would think it's the San Fran because they're gold uh, jerseys also. So I think that's exactly right. Okay, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So this has been so you think you know sports. Uh, we go into this last part, which is very quick. We were not going to take up too much time, but which is the uh, question part? Uh, it is about sports knowledge. Your guess is about as good as mine. So Muhammad comes up with the questions. I try to answer it and give you a little commentation uh, where I can. Uh, so go ahead with the first question, Muhammad. Which of the following NFL quarterbacks? has the better overall playoff record? A, Drew Brees, B, Aaron Rodgers, or C, Russell Wilson? Cool. That's slightly hard. Uh, just running through the people real quick. Now, Aaron Rodgers, he's gotten to the playoffs a good amount of times here, but I, don't, I think he comes up short. Um, go ahead and repeat the question and answer one more time, and I'll try to answer out quick here. Which of the following NFL quarterbacks has the better overall playoff record? A, Drew Brees, B, Aaron Rodgers, or C, Russell Wilson? Uh, I honestly think it's Russell Wilson because he's made it pretty far multiple times. Uh, to Super Bowls and Drew Brees, it would seem like it, but he has some off years. So I'm gonna go with Russell Wilson. That is correct. Um, Drew Brees, he is eight and seven in the playoffs, and Rodgers is nine and seven, and Russell Wilson is eight and five. Mm, pretty good, pretty good, pretty close numbers. Um, go ahead with the second question. 
Which of the following NFL teams lead the NFL in sacks? A, Panthers, B, 49ers, or C, Bills? Oh, that's kind of hard. Um, and I, would, I wouldn't think it would be the Panthers, but they had a run for a little bit there. Uh, one more time with the question and answer. Which of the following NFL teams leads the NFL in sacks? A, Panthers, B, 49ers, or C, Bills? I would think the, since it's been a great record for them this year, it would be the San Fran uh, 49ers, but I'm actually going to go with the Bills because the Bills Mafia out here, uh, if you don't know what that means, like look it up, uh, Bills Mafia with uh, fans in the uh, – tailgating where they jump on tables and break it. it it's it's quite funny but uh, i'm gonna go with the bills that's wrong oh uh, wrong but hey, it's, still it's up, the uh, panthers okay yeah, that would be the odd answer because i don't know I, I knew they went on a run and i just didn't keep track of like sacks since they also started to suck <laughs> <laughs> yeah um it's unfortunate for the panthers yeah uh, but i'll move on to number three mm-hmm what is the name of the current head coach for the Charlotte Hornets? A, James Borrego, B, Michael Malone, or C, Terry Strotts? No, Terry Stotts. Yo, that is so funny because, I, of course, I live in the city of Charlotte, and I should know who the head coach name would be of the Charlotte Hornets, but since they suck so bad, this is a very hard question, and that's and, I, and, it, and that's funny. That's that, <laughs> actually I just find it oddly funny that he would choose that question because it's something you should know, but at the same time shouldn't know because they suck. Um, so repeat the question and answer again. <laughs> what is the name of the current head coach for the Charlotte Hornets? A. James Borrego. B. Michael Malone. Or C. Terry Stotts. And only because I think it, I might have heard it repeated, then I'm going to get this one. But I'm really not exactly sure. Uh, I'm going to go with C, Steve Stouts, whatever, how you pronounce it, whatever it is. Terry Stouts. Yeah. That is wrong. Oh, wrong. <laughs> it's <laughs> James Borrego. James oh, Borrego. God. That was my first time hearing of him whenever I <laughs> looked it up. But um, <laughs> Terry Stouts, he's for the Trailblazers. And uh, Michael Malone is for the Nuggets. Would not know. Would not know at all. <laughs> Watch them. Know they got. They have head coaches and would not know at all. These are professional uh, teams. But uh, one for three. Eh, I'm not too ashamed, but it was fun. Um, but this has been So You Think You Know Sports. We'll catch you next week.